advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. This is Amrys Wang from The Raw Entrepreneur. Today, I have a very special lady. Her name is Rita Hogan, who is a healer and herbalist with over 18 years of experience specializing in holistic canine herbalism. She's an educator speaker, writer, formulator, and herbal medicine maker. Rita uses a combination of diet, flower essences, herbs, and phytoembryonic therapies in a full-time practice based in Olympia, Washington. Hi, Rita. Thank you for saying yes <laughs> and joining me today. Hi, how are you doing? Good. 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 I'm um, happy to be here. <laughs> Um, where are you? Where are you right now? Currently in the U.S. I'm in Olympia, Washington. Oh, so which you... is the capital of the state of Washington? Yes. Okay. Um, could you share with our listeners um, who is Rita Hogan? Um, well, I'm I'm a definite uh, herb nerd. Um, I uh, am obsessed with plants and. I love to teach other people how to use plants, um, but you know I have an ongoing evolution for myself as well. Um, I'll never stop learning, you know, about uh, different types of plants and how to use them and how to improve my practice and how to lives of uh, owners and their dogs. Um, I also work with people, but most of the people are uh, start out being coming to me for their dogs. Um, so. Uh, I'm enthusiastic is what I am. Um, I definitely am a happy person who just, you know, sees the benefits of what plant medicine can do and what plant energy can do. And I view plants as intelligent beings that uh, help us with uh, consciousness inside of our bodies. And um, I just applied this to, to dogs on the, for the most part. And um, what inspired you? I mean, were you were you always interested in in, in herbalism? <clears throat> or um, I learned. I grew up on a farm, and uh, for uh, you know, uh, for anyone that uh, heard this before, uh, it. My father was not an herbalist, but he was a farmer who knew plants. So he would send me out 
describe the plant, go get it, bring it back. And, but he didn't use it on our dog. He used it on, um, our dog was really healthy. He used a lot of the plants on our pigs and our cows and our chickens. And, um, so, and our, we had horses. We had a, actually a, uh, probably, um, 23 ponies. I wow. think it was about 23, 23 to 30 ponies. And so he used a lot of herbs that were grown on our um, 50 acre farm. Um, he would use a lot of herbs. We never, the vet hardly ever came unless a cow needed help birthing. Um, and uh, my grandmother uh, raised 16 kids in the Great Depression with just a midwife and the forest. So it's definitely in my blood. Uh, I, I kind of got started. Um, I left it when I, you know, I went off and did my things in my 20s. I studied Ayurveda for a little bit and then I went back to Western herbalism and I started dog boarding and doing rescue for uh, pug dogs uh, in about 1999. Um, I started getting interested in pugs and then um, in about 2001, I moved 2001, I think I moved to Tennessee and uh, I started boarding dogs and then I started seeing how sick the dogs were and uh, it just kind of went from there and I did six years of hardcore rescue and um, I used herbs with all of those rescue dogs and made formulations for them and uh, I have a company called Farm Dog Naturals, which is an external product company for dogs. Um, I've had that for a really long time. I've been making those for about 20 years. Um, 19, 20 years. And uh, I made those specifically for the pug dog rescue. And then it just kind of went from there. I had to stop rescuing after about six years because I couldn't deal with the ignorance of people and the treatment of animals. I'm just, I'm very sensitive type. So um, I just couldn't, I kind of brought my work home with me and I had to stop. So not too stressful. Yeah. Wow. I, I, we, uh, we rescued a three- 332 pugs. Wow. So we did, we did really good work in those six years. So, but that's, that's what got me started. That's what got me interested. Just noticing how sick dogs were and how that uh, traditional veterinary care was not working out. Um, and that we needed to focus on preventative medicine and preventative healing. Right. And when, when you were, um, so your love as a rescuer and for animals sort of um would you say is the desire in, in that sense you know to to sort of like give you that motivation to learn more about herbalism and use that that and i definitely you know the need i'm i'm definitely i'd say definitely i'm a natural caretaker and so um, can't do that with people because your boundaries get really screwed up. So I definitely turn that over to dogs. But the biggest thing that that really just kind of um, motivates me is seeing people's um, just desperation in trying to find solutions for their pets and themselves uh, in this Western medicine paradigm where there's not answers. There's not a lot of answers for preventative medicine. There are answers for emergency medicine, absolutely wonderful answers. But for preventative medicine and ongoing care and ongoing health, um, there isn't a lot of answers out there. 
and people are desperate. And so um, just trying to make a difference, one person and one dog at a time and sharing things publicly, you know, um, I think as an entrepreneur, um, I mean, just like you're putting yourself out there and doing this podcast, I think that you really have to get clear on yourself and be vulnerable to put yourself out. Uh, because once you put yourself out there, you open yourself up to scrutiny. You open yourself up to people that disagree with you, which is fine with me because that's everyone's God given right is to disagree or be wrong. So, um, I definitely been wrong many times, but I think that's a part of learning and not being afraid to say you're wrong. But I really want to, um, teach people throughout the world to use herbs and to explore the herbs that are in their local areas and to learn those herbs and just, you know, start with one herb at a time and, and, and see what they can do. And, um, was it an easy decision to start your, your, your company? Um, it was kind of just a natural transition. Um, it's an interesting thing. Like I started boarding dogs kennel free. So we were on like 36 acres. We had five acres fenced. And of course people told me that it would never work because it was an hour outside of Nashville. So people had to actually had to drive an hour with their dog in hopes to be accepted into our kennel. So um, I would interview them uh, with the group of dogs that I had. I, I already, I had owned, uh, I had well take, taken care of 10 dogs of my own. So those dogs would come out, we'd all do an interview. And, um, and if the dog looked like it was going to get along, um, they could, they could board their dogs with us. So then I did that say at the same time I was doing the rescue. I didn't bring re very, you know, if rescue dogs came to my house, they never left because I'm just not the type that can foster. So I had a couple pugs that just never left, but, um, I had foster home. So I did it at the same time of doing rescue. And then I started making products and those products, my, my company for boarding was called almost home pet farm. And so my products became farm dog. So it just was kind of like this thing. And then I started farm dog. And then, um, I used to do all this writing, uh, just for myself kind of reclusively and just kind of working out my system of herbs. And uh, I, I do a method called drop dosing and, um, my uh, partner at the time, um, encouraged me like, you know, you should send in your writing to something, send in your writing. So I sent it into dogs naturally and they accepted my writing and I've been writing for them for about, I think five years wow. and, um, every other month. And I do, I, I do some speaking for them and stuff like that and some blogs, but, um, and I, didn't even understand the reception that I got because I had been doing it just, just for my like dog boarding clients and then, and just like the people in my dog boarding, which was thousands of dogs. So that, that was good, but it was like, Oh, people are actually interested in this. They're not yelling at me and screaming at me and whatever. And then one day I read, um, Matthew Wood's book. Uh, he's a mentor of mine. Um, he's a really great herbalist. Um, and I read one of his books, uh, Seven Plants, Seven Teachers, and uh, it really validated the work I was doing. Like I, because, you know, I'm self-taught. I've worked with, I worked with this guy in Tennessee, this little old guy that lived by me, who was not an herbalist, but he knew more about the plants of that region than 
I just was like, wow. And so we worked together. He showed me a bunch of stuff and, um, I worked with him for a couple of years. We'd go through the forest walking and he'd show me this and, you know, this plant and that plant. And, um, it was really interesting. So I just started using those concepts. I got validated by a, a person that I eventually, I have, uh, I did a six month program with Matt a couple of years ago. Um, I've taken a couple of his seminars, um, and I've worked with, I've studied a whole bunch of people that have been my, I would say in herbalism, herbalism is, are my elders. And now I'm other people's elders, you know, 19 years later. So it's kind of interesting. It, it was a natural flow. So it wasn't hard to open it. It just, I was very surprised by the reception that I got and that people have been very kind to me. Um, I haven't had hardly any type of angst. Uh, I have never received any like rotten letters that some people... <laughs> I feel so bad. Some people have received. I have not yet. I mean, I'm sure my day is coming, but um, I've had a good welcome. And I just, I try to just kind of stick to myself and just put the knowledge out there. And um, um, I'm not too pushy. Either you can accept it. And I mean, it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong or, or my way is the highway or it's just one of the paths. I mean, I, as you know, there's many, many paths to healing. I'm a big fan of homeopathy uh, homeopathy gives herbalists the path in which to use poisonous plants more effectively. So I love homeopathy. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, it was just a natural progression. So it was pretty easy for me, but I've always been an entrepreneur. I've owned other businesses as well before, while I was working on this, um, before the dog boarding business, I lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I owned a, a construction company called, uh, Jane of all trades. Wow. Uh, which is super fun. So that was what I did for my day job while I was teaching myself Ayurveda um, uh, in my early 20s. And then before that, I had a cleaning company called Rito's, Rita's Rainbow Cleaning. And so it was me and three other girls that just cleaned houses while we were growing up in our 20s, you know, why we, before we went to the bar. And, um, and uh, so, yeah, um, you know, I think that that was before the internet. And so, I think people's twenties are a lot different now, now that they have the internet and all this communication with everybody, but we didn't have, it was just the beginnings of computers. So, um, yeah, but I've always worked for myself, but when I hit my like 28, 29 years old, I really started forming this path towards what I'm doing now and, um, no turning back. I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. So you've had an entrepreneurial blood in you like you were born with it you know it sounds yeah. like you were born with being really independent I, I, I did it, i did it when i was a kid too i did it i sold things when i was a kid and you know i had my own little tiny itsy bitsy business when i was a child and and when i was young and um yeah no i've always been at a good work ethic so um but i've always um liked to to do my own thing and um and if it and definitely if it if it wasn't available i would just create it and and get it up and going. So, yeah, what, what, I, what do you think, I love. It. What do you think? Um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they always think like, "Oh, I'm working for someone, a nine to five job." But you know, I like to try and do my own thing. But um, some people do it, and some people don't. And what would you say? You know, is you know what is an entrepreneur mindset? You know, I mean, like. What do you think you need to have, you know, um, to, to get started? Do you think we're born of it or do you think we, we cultivate it? You know, oh, 
what, what's your view about it? I said, well, um, I do a lot of uh, like medical astrology and I love astrology um, as a compass for kind of like personality traits. And um, I find that a lot of um, signs like um, Aries and Sagittarius and Leos are very good at entrepreneurial um, endeavors. I also find that a lot of earth signs are um, very good at entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, uh, some earth signs, but uh, like air signs, like Libra and Gemini and Aquarius, they don't, it seems to me like they don't have, they, they get very nervous about, uh, because they're not that grounded. Um, I mean, this depends, I don't wanna go into astrology, but um, I think that what you have to have, I don't wanna go into that, I'm, I'll get on a tangent, but the thing that I think that you have to have is you have to have a belief in yourself that you will be able to get uh, money in reciprocity for what you're putting out. And a lot of people are afraid of that. They're afraid of not getting paid. Well, what happens when you don't get paid? Um, that's never happened to me. Um, you know, I get up every day for work. I do my work. Um, I have a lot of flexibility in my life because I do my own work. But you have to actually work. Um, so, you know, you actually have to dedicate time in which to do your work during the day. And I think you have to be able to be self-regulated. Um, I think self-regulation is huge when you want to be an entrepreneur. You have to be able to take that risk. You have to be able to fall flat on your face. You have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, this isn't working or what's working and where can I get the tools or the support to support me in this? And another thing is, I think that you have to be able to take criticism um, and not take it personally. And um, some people may criticize you and you know that they're completely full of it, right? Because a lot of times what we find faults in others is actually faults that we see in ourselves. So you have to be really careful on how you get that criticism. But some people, nice, positive, constructive criticism have helped me immensely in my career and you know listening to people and realizing okay does it go in one ear and the other or does it go in here and wow that's kind of an aha moment i never thought about it that that way so you have to be kind of be open but also have good boundaries you definitely have to good, have good boundaries and then i think two key things for entrepreneurs is you have to be able to say no um and you have to have a good relationship to money uh and um Money is not the driving factor in my life at all, but I've worked with a lot of uh, people that work for themselves and they see money as the enemy and they have a really hard time uh, valuing themselves uh, and asking for payment. Um, um, like for instance, I had a woman, just as, this is an example that gets people all the time. I had a woman this week that called me on the phone and she was asking me about flea and ticks. She had read my article in Dogs Naturally magazine. She had a question. I didn't hang up on her or anything like that. I answered her question real quick, got her off the phone. She texted me a couple times and she sent me a couple emails. Okay. So on the second text, I just texted her and I said, Hey, I'm happy to answer your questions. However, this is my work. So could go to my website. I gave her the link and use the ask the herbalist function and pick the one or two or three questions, um, and I'd be happy to, to continue this conversation. Whereas a lot of people feel bad about that, and they also feel like 
someone's going to go out and say something nasty about them or someone's going to go out and, and retaliate against them. So they're just going to do it for free. Um, you have to balance when you're an entrepreneur, you have to balance your like pro bono stuff, your, your stuff that you do for free. I do a couple cases every month for free. I'm actually doing one right after we're done here. So like I do a couple for free for people who can't afford it, but you have to be able to ask and people, I find if you do it nicely, people respect it instead of being like, well, how dare they call me and expect free stuff? You know, I don't think that's the best attitude to have. I think people just get really excited. They're very, people are desperate for finding ways of healing. And if they connected with something you wrote, you have to be respectful of their, I think their, sometimes their love for you or their uh, enthusiasm about what you said, but you just have to be clear that this is your work and that, and that, it could get, that line gets blurry for people because you don't, they're not walking into your office, you know, um, or they could, you know, but most of the time, you know, I work remotely, so people aren't walking into my office. And so they just have to realize that, yeah, this is, this is how I make a living. You know, I love doing it. I feel blessed that I am able to do it and make a living, but it is, I, this is how I make a living. And so you kind of have to, you have to learn how to say no, and you have to learn how to, uh, gently tell people that, yes, you know, you're going to have to get some remuneration for, for my services, basically. That's actually really, really helpful and, and very important actually, because I realized, um, because similar to you, I mean, like I'm a rescuer as well. I started as a, you know, community cat caregiver. So I feed stray cats. I do TNR, I sterilize, and then I help, you know, foster or rescue, you know, sometimes dogs, sometimes cats. And, and, uh, as I wanted to help, you know, but the thing is rescue is really expensive when you're doing it as a volunteer, cause you're not, no one's paying you. So everything's out of your own pocket. And you know, that, that, that urge to, I want to help more animals, but how do I do that? You know? And I thought, Hmm, I, I should, you know, have a side hustle or something to earn some extra cash so that I can, you know, fund the, the rescue work. And I realized like, I don't really know how to do that, you know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm not, you know, never, never trained for it, never trained for it, you know, and, and that is actually why I started to my podcast and, and trying to, you know, interview amazing people like you guys who are in the holistic pet service industry, because I was drawn to that because I really realized that nutrition, um, raw, fresh food diet actually made a huge difference in, in how my sick animals recovered. Because, you know, conventional medicine um, has its limitations. It's good for emergency, you know, cases and, you know, but when you're talking about supportive care and recovery and uh, long-term, you know, immune building, um, a more natural, you know, functional method way, a holistic way is, is required. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I think I'm, I'm going off track, but... You know, me with this, all this love for the animals and, and all this um, holistic ways, like, you know, how, how do I start charging people? Because people are also asking me now, you know, like, what do you feed? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I'm not trained. I'm not certified in any way. You know, I'm just learning as I go. You know, I, I try mm -hmm. to read, I, I watch, you know, and I try to learn from people as much as I can, you know, and, and, and I realized that 
sometimes people keep asking me the same questions usually. You're like, um, how should I feed? What should I do? And I realize like, you know, I keep sending the links. I said like, you know, if you want to learn some more, go, go and do it. But, you know, people start, some, some people actually said to me, you know, if you charge, I would pay. And I'm like, how do I do that? You know, because like, gee, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert, you know. So learning, you know, hearing your story, I, you know, it, 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 it resonates with me in the sense that, you know, you, you struck out on your own and you did it, you know, and you, and, and you found, you somehow found that balance, which I find is like really like, wow, because I'm still learning. And and learning mm-hmm. to say well, that that is something that I've I've started to learn as well. And, and when you say like putting myself out there and being vulnerable, because I'm actually an introvert, I'm a very private person, and I'm not used to speaking, especially to strangers. Sometimes you know it's it's hard. But mm-hmm. I decided this year for some reason in my head, like okay, I'm gonna make 2020 my my uncomfortable year where I'm gonna push myself to grow as a person, you know, mm-hmm. and. It's it's been it's been challenging, but I'm actually enjoying it. You know, um, seeing you know the different stages that I I do it, and listening to you how you know from you a little one as a child, you know, always um, you know doing things on your own, selling, making, selling, making, and then starting so many different co- companies. Um, I'm just like wow, you know. So I don't know. I think you. You were born with it, isn't your blood? You know? Yeah, I did do very well in traditional um, positions. I did not do well. I, I did not, uh, I just didn't. Um, so, you know, uh, early on, I just decided, well, I think I should just go out on my own and, and do this. And I think to speak to your, like, how do you make that transition be- between layperson and um, expert? You know, I don't think that you necessarily have to have a huge, you know, letters and stuff behind your name um, uh, to be able to contribute to people. I think the biggest thing is to find something to focus on, be good at. Like, I think that if you, you know, um, I don't work with cats. And the reason why is because cats and dogs are completely different species. And yeah, I can say, okay, yeah, is that safe for cats? Yeah, that's safe for cats. But I don't work with cats because um, I can spend the rest of my life focusing on dogs. And I work with people, but I, I don't mind. It's it's a nice uh, kind of like just break from with dogs when I, I work with people. But um, just focusing on something and get good at it. Like find that that thing that makes you stand out and that, that you're really good at. You can focus on nutrition or you could focus on, you can focus on one single condition, you know, like one single condition. And it, I'll tell you, if someone got really good with herbs and cats, because there's not a lot of people that are really good with, with, with cats. And so that's a missing, I think in the, well, on the entire planet, I don't know a lot of a cat herbalists. I'd love to see one come and, you know, just really like study cats and really get into cats. But I think you find like, uh, there's so much information coming at us, you know, and for me, um, I can, I, I'm an extrovert, but I have a lot of introvert qualities and like, I can be very reclusive in my house and just not come out and just kind of like get pigeonholed in my studies. And cause I study all the time and, um, 
because there's so many great herbalists doing so many wonderful things. So, you know, I'm studying, I have the people that I look up to and I know people look up to me. So it's kind of this revolving door because you can't sit and hoard that knowledge. And that's my biggest thing. Like, you know, we're keepers of the knowledge. It's not ours, you know, and people like, Oh, you did. Oh my God. You're so awesome. Actually. Um, I'm just a conduit. It's the plants that are awesome. You know, it's the plants that are awesome. That they're the ones that are making building the bridges. They're speaking to us when we, we're not even listening. And it's like um, plants are awesome. And so I just want people to understand how awesome plants are, according to their dogs. And it doesn't mean that there isn't mod other modalities that can help someone. You know, like um, do plants have all the answers? I'm not sure, but I'm here as a conduit to just open people's minds and to understand that plants can be trusted and they can work if you know how to use them, but you have to look at them different than pharmaceuticals. And that's my biggest thing. And, you know, like get really good at something and find your niche. And there's the niche out there because there's so much and people will start resonating with you. And like for me as a teacher, I'm okay if someone doesn't like my teaching style because I'm not going to resonate with everybody. Some people may need someone that's much more like methodical and, you know, and that's not me. Um, I don't like to use large words when I teach. I like to break everything down, you know, kind of dumb it down a little bit so that, that anyone can take it in, you know? Yeah. I use this fancy rhetoric, but um, I don't like to do that. And some people need that fancy rhetoric. So it's like, it's what you need. And, um, and there's, more than enough to go around. And I think that's another thing as an entrepreneur that you have to be really careful with is comparing yourself to others. Um, you have to focus on yourself and what you're doing and your integrity and your empathy and your, um, the way that you do your job and our, you know, we all get tired and we all like, oh, I don't want to work today, even though there's amazing cases and people need our help. Like you have to, you have to learn self-care and self-care is huge. Um, but I just think that you can't compare yourself to others. It is one of the biggest things out there that I think is bring people down and brings that dark cloud over. It's like, Oh, look at that person. And they're, they're so far and I'm never going to get there. And, 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 Oh, look at, they got asked to speak and I didn't and all that kind of stuff. You can't do that to yourself. You got to be happy for others greatness as an entrepreneur. I think that's, super important. Be happy for others' greatness. That's how you will get great yourself. And um, so I think that's a big thing is, um, you know, not comparing yourself to others. Find what you're good at. Not Don't worry about what other people are doing. So I think that I have to remind myself of that all the time, but it works. What would you say is, you know, like, um, do you have like a regular daily routine that you go through every, you know, do you, like, you know, like, like in terms of like mindset, like emotional, you know, to, to prep your day and to, to, uh, deal with the day as it goes on. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that, and it's really hard for me to be routine, uh, as a person, I'm not very, a very routine person. Um, so I have different days that have different structures. So I do a lot of my consulting in the morning uh, also, uh, a lot of my writing in the morning. Um, I do more of my personal things in the afternoon when it gets to like between like, I'd say 
two o'clock and five o'clock, I do like, I go for a walk. I might take phone calls um, that don't aren't protocol phone calls. They're like uh, exploratory phone calls or just phone, you know, returning calls and things like that, that don't need a lot of brain power. My brain works best in the beginning of the day. Um, and also um, late at night. So I have a, like a strange structure where I might, you know, after everyone goes to bed, I might work for a couple of hours and I have, have, have been relaxing from like four to eight and I might work from like eight to 10 or eight to 12 and then, you know, get up at eight and start it all over again. Um, I do uh, a mindful practice. Um, I meditate. Uh, I do a lot of writing, um, things like that to keep me centered. I'm always reading what, uh, you know, the keys to keeping my mental health healthy because we all just, you know, get, I mean, I think we're hard, the hardest on ourselves. So I think that's important. And just forgiving yourself when you're, you're being a dork. We're all that way sometimes. You know, we all make mistakes. We're all wrong. But kind of just getting back on the horse and doing it over again. But I think routine is important. I try to, I have routine on certain days, but um, my, my business days are Monday through Thursday and Fridays are my, my anything day. I try not to work too much on the weekend. I do a little bit, but not too much. Downtime is so important. That's the biggest thing for entrepreneurs. You know, you have to be of sound mind and body, um, and taking that time for yourself is just as important as taking anything out there, taking the most important case. Uh, I think that you yourself are the mo most important case that you're going to have. That's for people like that are in like my area of work. Very, I really appreciate you sharing that because, you know, I, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people when they start doing their own business, they, they're really gung-ho and, you know, very overzealous and they just burn through the night and, and day and they don't eat or sleep and they don't look into that taking care of themselves, that self-care and they just burn themselves out and then they sort yes. of they and then they fall really sick and then they're like struggling and you know they had that slump and you know and it messes with with your mind because when you're not taking care of your the body the vessel it's it's really hard to get on with the labor that you want to to build and achieve you know and and um i'm like really thank you for that because it's a good reminder for me as well you know what you're saying because i've i used to be a workaholic in, to the point where you know i used to really disrespect my body. So um, I would I would smoke, I would drink Coca-Cola, you know, I would work on a computer like nonstop, you know, and, and then ended up like, you know, I, I sort of injured my back and then, you know, obviously health issues and everything. So it took me, I, I was sick for many, many years and then depression set in because my body was not well, you know. Uh -huh. I went to see a TCM, a traditional Chinese medicine doctor, you know, to, to try and, you know, like clean myself and, and heal myself naturally. Cause I didn't, I didn't really, uh, trust Western doctors, especially on that drugs. I thought, you know, something wrong on, in that, yeah. end, you know, I didn't like Prozac or that. No, I don't think so. You know, uh, not, not to heal my mind. I didn't think it would work for me. So slowly my body healed and and that's how I, I started to have a, a newfound appreciation and respect, you know, for the body and for nature and how, you know, we, we must have that balance, you know, even when you, 
you know, when you're trying to do something in life, you, you must have that self-love and, and, you know, um, I would say know your mind, know yourself and, and the confidence like you said, you know, to, to be vulnerable and to, you know, to fall down. It's okay to fall down and screw up. It's okay. You know, but you got to get up and, and try again and again, you know? Um, so what, what you just shared, um, it, I felt something here when you were saying that, you know, <laughs> you know, so like, if I sound like I'm like, like stuttering because it, you, you, you really hit something here in my heart, really, you know, cause I've been struggling for, for many, many years to, to, to really like come out of my shell and, and like, you know, um, unscrew my mind in that sense, you know, um, and, and learning about doing rescue work with the animals and natural work. and what, what you say, it, it's, it's a very personal thing, you know, that, that you've touched, you know, so I, I just want to say thank you here because I know oh, my, listeners, you know, my, my listeners will, 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 will gain interest, you know, and, and benefit from, from you, but me personally, just hearing you, what you just said, um, yeah, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting a wave of emotion right now. <laughs> That's not the problem. I, I mean, I think being, being vulnerable is super important. Um, I, you know, I have to say uh, in a, in, as being vulnerable. I mean, I learned a lot of this the hard way. So that is a big drawback of being uh, working for yourself is that, you know, doing that, working that 16 hours a day, I, um, I, uh, had ovarian cancer, um, about three years ago. And I really had to look at my life and be like, okay, so what is going on? I was under a lot of stress. Um, uh, my partner had had cancer as well. So it was kind of weird. Both had cancer. It's like, ah, and, um, I, you know, I'm not a chemo and radiation person. So I had to really, I had surgery and it saved my life. And, but, uh, it only turned out to be stage two. They thought it was stage four. And like, um, so I had surgery and it, but it was like, I think that it was a gift and, it really got me to understand that it is okay to keep trying to find that balance, but you have like, I am my, I am my most important protocol and I have to take care of myself before I can take care of others. And also I realized I had to figure out in my life, like what are the best times for me to work? And like, I can't just pull a great protocol herbal protocol out of my mind unless my mind is conducive for doing that. So I had to figure out like, okay, I can't work on the weekends anymore. I can't work all night. I have to have downtime, like lots of downtime. And, um, I started taking trips. I started working remotely. Um, and you know, I'd say that I probably work about hardcore about six hours a day and I'm getting done in those six hours. What used to take me, Oh God. Um, used to probably take me about 12 to 14 hours to do because, you know, you turn your phone off, you turn your Facebook off, you don't answer the phone, you, you're not available. And that's another thing that I think that I learned through having this journey of, of finding balance and understanding why, um, why I got cancer. You know, I mean, I know that the world's polluted and I, you know, I eat organic and I think, but I did have a, an, an, a huge amount of stress and I wasn't taking care of myself. I was just taking care of other people uh, and being very good at that. So 
um, and, you know, and dogs. And so I had to just like really look myself in the face and say, okay, I got to calm this down. I can't be everything to everybody. I can't be available just because you have a cell phone. I'm not available all the time. And people will say, well, you should turn your phone on. Um, no, I shouldn't turn my phone on. I'm going to turn my phone off for the next three hours and um, I'm unavailable. And that has been the biggest change that has added so much balance and happiness and joy to my life is just turning off the technology, getting out into nature, being in nature every day. I don't care what form, uh, get outside, breathe the fresh air and get out of your head and stop working. And when I do that, I'm so much more efficient and I have, I enjoy my work so much more than feeling just like burnt out and that I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. Well, I can't turn on my phone off. I don't have enough time. That's not true. You know, you just have to lurk, work more efficiently and turning off all those external things that are coming at you all the time allows you to work more efficiently. Um, so I've had to learn, you know, I've had to learn a few of the things that I'm, I'm spouting out of my mouth the hard way, but you don't, the body will shut down if you do not listen to it. And I just was ignoring it. And I'm very lucky. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And, um, I'm definitely the happiest I've ever been. So, uh, I didn't realize that I was so addicted to, uh, being available all the time, all the time you know, that the people wouldn't uh, hire me if I wasn't available. I felt like a realtor. And, um, and sometimes you just got to shut it off and it, it really has a huge payback. Uh, I, I agree with that because I used to be like you, like 24 seven, anyone can call me is, is not a problem. And I think um, part of the reason was <clears throat> being a rescuer as well. You know, people always look for you to, can you help this? Can you help with this case or that case? So you're, you know, I'll be like trapping like in the middle of the night. And then, you know, it's, it's like, it's a very, very haphazard, very erratic, very, um, very unnatural way to, for your body. You don't, you're not getting that kind of rest. And I think you sort of burn out, like you were saying, I think like compassion fatigue, because you're giving and giving and giving, but to the point where it's becoming toxic to yourself because you're not, yes. you're not, you know, it's good to love and to give and to share, but you have to draw boundaries, like you said, and to learn to say no, to have self-care or else you're just going to drain yourself until you, you know, your body just kaputs, you know, burns out. Yeah. And I learned that the hard way as well. And, you know, because I had like gyne gynecological problems as well, like endometriosis and stuff. And, you know, and, and I was like, why am I suffering so much? You know? And I sort of realized, it took me a long time because I started to journal. I started to write a lot. Like what you're saying, you, you uh -huh. write. And it's, it's, I found that writing is very therapeutic. It, you know, better than sometimes seeing a shrink or something. Because I think you, when you write, you also, you learn to be more honest with yourself. You know, and, and, and you say things that you might not say with, to other people. You know, and you sort of deal, like, I like to work through a problem. So, you know, I'll start writing and writing. And I realized that, that was self-help and self-care, you know, and, and, and helping me to frame my mind. And only, I think recently, in the last year, especially the last year or so, I, when I, you know, was reading more about how to improve my mindset and everything, it's like learning to say no, setting boundaries, you know, like shutting, like you said, turn off the, the 
turn off the notifications, shut down the phone, you know. And I tell people like, you know, uh, when I'm working, I'm working, I'm sorry, you know, I, I won't be able to answer anything, you know. And I, and I mean, like, I would just even like close down all the programs on the computer. So when I'm working on a project on a computer, nothing else would disturb me, you know. So I think, you know, um, wow, like, you know, thank you because you're sharing a lot, a lot of things that, you know, that I've been, I've been, realizing on my own and i think um you know people out there who are who are thinking of, of wanting to start and and you know do their own thing um i really hope listeners out there you you really listen to what rita is saying because you know she's been there and done that and i myself i've i've done it the hard way and i'm trying to have a balance with what i'm doing now you know and i just love what you're saying you know all that um boundaries and stuff and and it's like an evolution yeah. You know, the balance, the balance is an evolution. You're not going to, you're never really going to find it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's an evolution. You have to work at it. it it's, uh, you know, just like health, you know, it doesn't stay in stasis. You have to keep mindfully pursuing it and being with it and just being kind to yourself. I think being kind to yourself and setting expectations that you can meet um, are really important. And then you can set really high goals as well, but just like one or two, so that you're not, you know, disappointing yourself all the time. I think some people's expectations are so high. They get like, you know, they, everyone is so starstruck and um, you don't have to be a star to contribute to people. You don't have to be a star to make a huge difference for people. And like I said, you just have to, people have to stop comparing themselves to other people, find what you're good at, focus on your niche and, and find your balance and, you know, be giving and, and, um, I think it, it will all work out as long as you have integrity. Yeah. I think also a lot of people, sometimes they are living not for themselves, but for other people, you know, uh, they, 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 the expectations is they always, you know, like, um, they have to make, sometimes it's like, Oh, my daddy proud, my mommy proud, or, you know, like someone, you know, like they look up to sometimes and they think like, Oh, I have to, I have to be that person you know in the in in the other person's mind and they sort of lose themselves because they're doing things to please other people but they're not pleasing themselves you know like finding your passion and a lot of, yeah and a lot of people who want to be to work for themselves you're going to get a lot of negative feedback from other people that are afraid and they're just coming from fear and fear shuts things down it closes things up you know, it does, it's not, it's, it's, it's constricting and, you know, and love is expanding. So, you know, you just have to realize, okay, you're going to get some negative feedback, but you have to do what makes you feel good and what makes you feel proud. And the other people will come, they'll come along. They may take a while, but they'll see that you're doing well and that, you know, that you've made it work and then they'll, they'll come around. But listening to other people's negative talk is definitely not the way to go, for sure. How would you say um, in your in your journey? So you've been how long have you been a, a, a canine herbalist now? I've been working at it for about nineteen and a half years, so almost twenty years. Wow. So I started uh, in two thousand. So. I started in 2000. I decided, well, this is what I'm going to do. And then I started, you know, re uh, rescuing and boarding and um, seeing how uh, alternative medicine started working so well for the 
the rescue uh, the rescue dogs then I applied it to the boarding dogs so yeah so you know close to 20 years hard really hardcore um like that's all I've been doing uh probably about 12 years like that's all I've been doing but yeah so but I've been I've been working with dogs and herbs for you know, close to 20 years and throughout your journey um what would you say you're most proud of um most proud of for myself or like as an entrepreneur is that what you're asking well you can like say okay like maybe like you had a goal in the beginning of what you wanted to achieve did you achieve it mm -hmm. you know and during your journey even did you achieve it and is that your most proud moment or if you did achieve it, but you've you've learned something else like another more valuable lesson it's you know maybe not a materialistic goal but um you know something internal in the sense that well, i guess um one of the things that i'm i guess most proud of is not giving up and finding another way so um like if i would have known in high school that there were actual herbal schools i would have went but there was no internet so there was no way to find that out you know you only kind of found out what was like within like eight hours of your home basically right so i would have done that but i didn't know about that and so when i um got out of my 20s and decided i wanted to do something with my life um i uh, I started, you know, just reading everything I could get my hands of at the time. There wasn't a lot of herbal books in the early uh, 90s. Um, but uh, and but as like we approached 2000, I we like a lot of books, more books came out, more books came out. Like one of the books that changed my life was um, The Secret Life of Plants. Um, that is an amazing book. Uh, it's kind of a mix between um, funny and scientific and just joyful. Um, I really love that book. And, um, you know, I could not, money did not allow for me to go and like go to herb school and uh, go find one and pay that tuition and go to college and all that stuff for herbs. I went to college for other things, but I didn't know about the herbs at that time that you could do that. And so I just started to just read everything I possibly could to understand and build my intuition, definitely work on my intuition because it's really important when you work with plants, in my opinion, and um, be like, this is what I'm going to do, you know, and I, that's what I did. And I think I'm most proud of just not like when someone says, well, you know, well, if I can't go to college, if I can't go have someone else, if sit in a room and have someone else teach me and take a test, because that's basically what college is, um, and be reviewed by your peers, that's another important aspect of college. Um, then I just, I guess I can't do that. I can't be that. I can't, I can't work with things because I'm not qualified enough. And I was like, no, that's not true. Um, there's teachers out there that can teach you. There's books out there that can teach you. Um, one of my uh, favorite books that I got I'm looking for it. Hold on. Um, I'm not sure where it is. Weird. Um, it, it is a veterinary herbal medicine book by Susan Wynn. 
I got that in the early 90s, um, extremely technical. Um, I devoured it. Uh, it taught me so much. Um, I worked with a vet in Tennessee with the herbal rescue. I taught him things. He taught me things. Um, I definitely got clear that I could never be a vet. Uh, I'm too sensitive. I'm just too sensitive of a person. So I really got clear that I was on the right path, that I didn't want to go to vet school. Um, I passed out. Uh, I almost passed out in his office so many times. Um, I just, I'm not good at blood and guts. And um, so I just didn't give up. I was like, okay, well, um, I'm just going to do the old school herbalist method, which is learning, uh, being with the plants themselves and apprenticeships. So I did a lot of apprenticeships with uh, my elders and people in my community and just learned, learned, learned. And I, I do it now, just tons of learning, 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 learning. And um, I have my own field of herbalism that I learned for just myself. And then I have my field of herbalism that I learned to better myself as, as a canine herbalist. So I think I'm most proud of that. I just didn't give up and didn't let people say, well, you can't do that. You have to go to, you have to go do this and you have to go do that. But now, I mean, there's some amazing herb schools out there and there's some amazing teachers that are my mentors and elders that are starting to use the internet to teach, which is so, so important because they are keepers of knowledge that are, and they're older and they're keepers of knowledge then this knowledge is not being passed on and the knowledge needs to be passed on. It has to be because that's what herbalism is. It's, it's traditional uh, be, herb, uh, information being passed on. And so I'm trying to do that as far as my niche, which is dog herbalism. Wow. So yeah, I, I, what I, what I admire about you is that you're doing a very, nature-centric energetics herbalism with and you're combining it with with technology in the sense that you're using the internet and you know using your lifestyle because it's actually quite mobile in the sense that more flexibility in the way you work and so you're you're doing your passion which is like off the earth and you're utilizing the tools of technology of modern day technology in terms of consultation doing your business and teaching as well because you actually have courses you know you, you do a herbalist um course and you have students that, that you teach um uh no i so i do a mentorship right now yeah and okay uh, i have a course uh through dogs naturally but it's their course i i taught it and, and wrote it um but it's it's there but um I, ha I don't have any classes on my website right now. Um, I will be coming up with a level one canine herbalist uh, course uh, by the end of the year, um, which I am writing uh, while teaching um, people canine herbalism through a mentorship program. I've that's been doing that. Good. So, yeah. and that's been fabulous. I do that every, every, every uh, week I meet with my students and I have for the last year and a quarter where it'll be a three year program. So I have about 40 students. Wow. Um, you know, they always say, you know, if you really want to learn, you, you learn, but you have to learn for two because you should teach as you learn so that it, it, I don't know, it sort of expands your brain a bit more. And, and yeah. you, um, um, I think crystallize your concepts and your ideas of, of um, what you're learning as well. I think a lot better. Did you, did you have a hard time? Like, you know, um, getting used to the idea that, oh, I have to teach or it just came, you know, naturally to you? Um, 
teaching is natural to me. However, I had to come to terms that people actually wanted to learn what I had, like that had, had to offer. Like, um, it's very humbling. Um, and I, you know, I had to just be like, oh, someone actually wants to sit and listen to me jabber on about herbs and nerding out. And yeah, it's true. They do. And I, I mean, I think every, almost every mentor I've ever had, um, has been a teacher and it has taught me the importance of sharing knowledge and, and knowledge hoarding, I do not think is appropriate for our evolution as a species. So, um, yeah, um, it, it came natural, but I just had to deal with the fact that, that people were actually, that people actually wanted to listen. And that's, you know, it's really confronting. And then, you know, putting yourself on video camera and, and uh, seeing your image in places and you're like, ah, so, um, but being vulnerable, I think is the most important thing if you're going to teach, because um, in this day and age, people want to see your face and they want to know that you're a real person and they want to connect with you. And that involves putting your face out on a video, you know, like I've thought about doing a podcast, but it's like, I have too much to do right now. So I'm not doing that. I just focus on, you know, putting out some videos a few times a year and I, I, you know, my bulk is consulting. I do a lot of consulting all over the world and I like to speak and I like to do things that multiple people are going to see because that helps get the message out even faster. But you got to be vulnerable. I'm telling you, it's, it's, you know, and you just got to get used to it and you got to love yourself and know that you're not perfect and know that you, you know, your gray is showing and blah, blah, blah. So you got to let all that stuff go and just get out there and, and, and teach what you know and uh, be okay with being wrong. I, you know, like I tell my students, don't believe me, you know, do your research um, and don't be afraid to question me because, you know, I've learned a lot from my students. I, I have, and um, don't be afraid to question things. I don't care who I don't care who's teaching you. Don't be afraid to question. Wow, that that really is um, that's amazing. What is your as a herbalist? What you know? Do you have a favorite plant or something that that resonates with you in what you're doing? Um, for me. Uh, this isn't an herb that I recommend for people to use very much, but I really resonate with black walnut uh, um, from the black walnut tree um, because it has healed me so immensely in my life. Um, I have Hashimoto's disease and it has really gotten my Hashimoto's to the point where um, I'm asymptomatic and my antibodies are almost to zero, which of course, people don't believe that you can cure Hashimoto's. Um, so for that's for my own personal plant. I love that plant. Um, but the two plants that I love the the and 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 Hashimoto's doesn't mean that if you have Hashimoto's that black walnut is gonna work for you. So just for anyone listening, it's very specific to my personality and my constitution. And I only take like two single drops a day. So um, and the most I've ever taken is four in a tincture. So, I mean, just very little plant medicines just to help remind my body of how to heal itself. But um, a couple of plants that I absolutely love, I love the plant calendula 
for dogs uh, and cleavers. Those two plants um, offer a lot of healing um, by helping stimulate our lymphatic system in our dogs. And it's so important and completely forgotten. I really love calendula cleavers and they're very, uh, cleavers are for dogs that are more warm and calendula are for dogs that are more cool. Um, but calendula and cleavers are just wonderful, wonderful plants. But I could go on, you know, for days about a bunch of them. But I, calendula and cleavers are my two for dogs that I absolutely love. Okay. I know that um, you'll be taking part in an event really soon um, um, in June. I can't remember. Is it 19? Something like that. It's with Julia. Oh, are you talking about that? Yeah, the Adored Beast is putting on the yeah. covid yeah, uh, we're, yeah, you're, you're yeah. one of the one of the panelists, and um, I just wanted to say, wow, I'm looking for. I've already RSVP'd on that, so I'm just you know looking forward to to um, listening to you and and everyone else. And I think that yeah, there's some great there's some great speakers. Yeah. So what a great event. Yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to to that, and you know I think I think um, what your journey, whatever you have done you know, um, it shows because, you know, I think maybe you, 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 you know, like you keep to yourself and you do your own thing, but, um, the rewards that you have, I mean, like, um, you publishing and sharing your knowledge um, on Facebook and, and, and talking because you give a lot of talks and that's how, I, that's how I found you as well on, on, on social media. Um, you know, and that's only when I just started social media, I think maybe just two years, you know, but, what what you what you've what you're doing um you know really drew me you know like fascinated me because i love i love nature and i love plants and i love the fact that it's so healing and hearing your story and how it's helped you personally um you know i think you know that's so important we should love our planet even more <laughs> you know uh, our, our planet yeah. is, is beautiful and plants are beautiful and you know, uh, I just wanted to thank you for for having that knowledge, learning it from the elders, and sharing with and and sharing it with others as well, passing that knowledge on. Because you know, I think the human race we need to improve. You know, we need to improve as a species because uh, we should be guardians of of the earth and not try to be so destructive and disrespectful to it. And what you're doing, I think, is yeah. awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I really do. It means a lot. Okay. Um, is there <clears throat> anything, you know, um, you know, like in terms of, you know, like what would you, what would you want your legacy to be? My legacy. Um, I guess, um, I would like my legacy to be teaching other people how to use herbs effectively with dogs um, and create, helping create uh, canine herbalist practitioners around the world that can help do this work while, when I'm, uh, you know, gone, definitely uh, to just building a, uh, I'm working on a practitioner's course, um, helping people become practitioners of canine herbalism so that they can help uh, other people and, you know, start working with vets and helping teach 
uh, vets how to use herbs more effectively. And um, definitely just, I'd love to just help other people learn this um, because it's a completely different system of medicine. It's nothing like pharmaceutical-based medicine. And um, unfortunately it has to be learned. So um, helping people to understand and learning from my elders and then applying that to dogs and um, putting that message out there in that niche. So that's what I would like my legacy to be. Thank you for listening to Rita's story. Look out for Dr. Anaheim Bjorkman's interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone. <laughs>